Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. This is Marcia Thaddison. You're on the D Hour Network show. I just want to wish everyone a happy Sunday. Just welcome aboard us. I am so grateful to be alive today. I know what so many things going on in our world with COVID-19, unemployment. I mean, this COVID-19 has so many things. It's touched Americans in so many ways. It has touched our political world, our educational world, the churches, our economic, our medical, and entertainment. But tonight I am I have the pleasure to welcome back on my show Crystal Marshall. Uh, she is the founder of Define with a Purpose, which is to help young ladies and women and children who've been in sexual abuse or incest. And we also have with her um, tonight her therapist, Kelly Huge. And, you know, yesterday's Kitchen for Today and the blog talk show called For Your Help is to educate us about how we can be healthy, not just in our physical health, but in our physical mind and our body. And so many of the guests have come on, have shared their experience about health, nutrition, from an emotional standpoint, from a physical standpoint, because I truly believe our God wants us to be healthy, both in mind, body, and soul. And a lot of times people become injured in various circumstances and events in our lives. And it's people like Krista and um, Dr. Therapist Hughes is here to help us. And tonight uh, I want to have this conversation with them because as COVID-19 hit, I became very, very concerned about the children um, with sexual abuse, the emotional abuse, and not only that domestic abuse that's gone up. They said even alcoholism has it's gone off the roof, that we're finding more and more people drinking. We're finding that um, people stuck at home with family members that they don't even like sometimes. So with that, we want to be able to educate each other and just pray too because I know prayer is powerful and God can do anything. There's nothing he can't do. And that's healing us as a family and healing the souls that have been broken and injured. So tonight we're going to talk about that. I'm going to welcome them on in just a minute. And so I just want to remind our listening audience that you're on the For, our, uh, For Your Health blog talk radio with Marsha Thaddison. And I'm going to bring on Crystal Marshall and therapist Kelly Hughes. Thank you guys for taking out time of your Sunday evening to be with me. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're excited to be here. Yeah, I um, I really wanted to bring this forward because um, I really feel bad for kids because I can't even imagine being a child. You can't speak up because parents are angry at you and they tell you to shut up, you shut up, you know, and they're powering over you. And you can imagine the fear you fear when you, your life is in danger as an adult. I just can't even imagine the fear a child has against the people that's supposed to love and protect them, and that's their parents. So, uh, Crystal, give the listening audience, because you've been on the show before, and I want to remind our listening audience, if you want to go back and listen to some of our previous blog talks with Crystal on defining your purpose, uh, you're more than welcome to do that. But I want her to kind to bring our listening audience who's not familiar with your nonprofit and your mission and why. Okay, 
So um, what Define with Purpose does is we um, mentor those who have experienced um, child sexual abuse as well as other sexual traumas or significant traumas in their life. We also cover the cost of therapy and legal fees for the clients that aren't able to afford those things. And so we're based um, here in the Atlanta area, and um, we start with clients from the age of five, and we go all the way into, like, mid-30s. And so um, what we do with them is just mentor them and help them and just really kind of hold their hand through the process of healing um, just because that is a place that has really been kind of left for years um, untapped and untouched. And so, so many people have been struggling and dealing with things that have happened to them when they were younger for so long. But we're here just to kind of walk them through that. And that is a beautiful thing because I have heard, even in some of the um, some of the um, TED Talks and other things where people come forward, and this not just happening in low income, this goes across all income all background of nationalities and religion of people being uh, affected by some type of sexual or incest or some type of abuse. And a lot of times we people suppress those feelings and emotions, and it, it resurrects itself in a marriage or other relationship, and they can't understand why they're sabotaging or what's going on with them about relationship. And it do affects the next relationship that people have from the time that they were young, even as they go into an adulthood, and that's true. And so having that there, because a lot of times when the police is gone, they don't took the, they don't taken the uh, information they needed. The doctors did their examination, and then you're supposed to move on like nothing else happened, and that's not true. Things have happened in the emotional part of that. So. Um, how do people find you, and um, and how do people know to look for you when they're having these type of trauma? Do the police department or the hospitals have your information for when they have patients coming in? So not all police departments and hospitals. We have um, made partnerships with a couple of places locally in our area, but if you are interested in um, – connecting with our organization, you can go to our website, and that's defined, D-E-F-I-N-E-D, withpurpose.com. You can also check out our Instagram page, and it's under the same name, Defined With Purpose. Um, You can give us a call, um, email us, and I can actually um, just kind of get you directed to the right people or the right mentor or help you however that we can do that. So um, we are a local organization, but we do accept clients uh, nationwide because we'll do whatever we can to build relationships in those areas. We'll Zoom call our, our clients and make sure that we're just there for them in that process. So, Great. That is great. Because uh, what are the youngest ages of the children that you're having to come, having to deal with, the youngest ones that you have to deal with? The youngest we deal with are ages five, so that's boys and girls ages five. Um, There are particular times where we will get people that are looking for um, kids as young as two and three, but we will use our resources to get them to the right place. But we will also possibly, if we help, we can um, help cover the cost of therapy and legal fees. 
But as far as the mentorship, we definitely are at five. Yeah, I was looking at um, on the website in violence against children, and they said the impact of COVID nineteen has had a significant increase in children. And even the New York Times read uh, sent a uh, printed an article indicating that the hospital have seen an incline of children coming in with severe abuse, you know, and I think it's the, uh, we know it has to do with the loss of jobs. Um, People are fear of this COVID-19 to the point that they're afraid to go out, afraid to let family members uh, come in. So now these children are isolated in these homes with these families or uh, supposed to be their loved ones that's supposed to be protecting them and they're not being protected. And so there's the kids don't have an outlet with school, um, the YMCA or the churches, everybody's cut off. And even the teachers who would normally recognize and identify these abuse, they're not even there to see these abuse anymore. So um, tell us, uh, what do we look for? How do we go about finding and looking at kids? Um, and maybe I'm jumping a gun. Maybe Kelly can tell us your um Kelly, um, tell us a little bit about who she is and what she do and how she got involved with this, too. Yeah, so I'm a a therapist. I work predominantly with trauma. Um, And I got involved with Define With Purpose a few years ago. Um, Krista and I met through church, and it just, and God kind of brought both of us together with our similar passions for helping people who had gone through significant traumas and um, child abuse and sexual abuse. And so I have a background. Um, My research focus in graduate school was child sexual abuse um, and and disclosure of child sexual abuse particularly. And so kind of what you're saying, you know, you're exactly right. Many, most children never disclose their abuse um, until adulthood. I think, I don't know the current statistics, but about five years ago, um, less than 20% of individuals who are abused under the age of 18 actually disclosed while they were still minors. So that just means that 80, at least 80% or more waited until adulthood or never disclosed and it was somehow figured out after, um, after they died. And so that's a significant, if you think about that, that's significant because one in four girls and one in six boys and, and likely more, that's, that's probably a low in statistics because a lot, since there's not wow. enough disclosure, we, how many kids are be actually being abused, but of the kids we know who have disclosed, it's one in four girls and one in six boys who will experience sexual abuse before the age of 18. Um, so, um, yeah, if you're looking, so signs, and that one of the most difficult things is that the signs and the symptoms are, are kind of hard to spot as well. Um, children who are being abused are being groomed, and so they're being told things like, if you tell, we'll hurt your family, or you know, people won't believe you or this is normal or it's just normalized enough that the child doesn't even recognize that it's abuse. Um, and the majority of individuals I work with in my private practice are adults. I don't work with many children anymore, um, but they're adults who've been abused as children. And so I get the, you know, you, they all, you know, are coming in to work through kind of what you would, were saying earlier, relational issues and even physical issues that come from significant trauma because trauma Trauma affects the body more than anything, and so, um, so that. But the what they tell me and what we talk about is how it 
how difficult it was to even tell someone because a family member did know and they didn't believe them or um, no one was paying enough attention or, you know, everyone wrote it off as nothing. So it's very, you know, very hurtful and very traumatizing even in that, aside from the actual physical trauma they've been through. So with COVID-19 and these kids are stuck at home and now they're not even sure. Some schools are deciding they're not going to be open for the fall semester. A lot of these kids are going to be working home virtually. And we know some of these parents have little to no patience with their own children when it comes to academic skills. And now we have the, the stress of financial stress and the fear of physical, I mean, being sick with COVID-19, um, it's bringing on so much trauma. And I just, my heart really goes out to the children. What are you, how are you guys dealing with patients or young people today who are going through this trauma? Is it virtual or how is it handled or is anything being done at this point? So um, you're asking us how are we handling um, seeing our yes. clients now with everything? Um, we yes, are yes. doing virtual meetings when we can, um, but we always prefer to do it in person, especially with um, the, we want to build relationships. So we prefer to do it in person. So when we can, we will meet in our office and we just make sure that we do all the um, safety procedure in order to make sure that we can meet. Um, but that's kind of how we have it set up right now. It's It's unfortunate because of the place that we are in and we do know that a lot of people, there is so much silent abuse that's going on right now um, in homes. And I'm just grateful now that things are reopening a little bit. So people that are the protective or the safety precautions can see things. And when we can't trust the schools to do it and we can't trust, you know, the churches to do it, unfortunately, because they're not available or they're closed, we have to just really stand on our word and our faith mm -hmm. because and just pray over these babies and pray that they can yes. find a place yes. safe because right now I feel like things are just so much bigger than mm -hmm. the old ways that things used to work. And the old ways were literally months ago. So now it's a lot of standing on faith, standing on what God has instilled in us over these years, standing on the divine connection and intervention, like us as Christians being vigilant when we do meet a child. You know, these are things I think that's important for us to do. What are, you know, I understand this with the trauma and things like that. Now, how do we get this message out to children? I have three younger grandchildren, ages um, seven, three, and one. And I'm always telling them, okay, no one's to play with your, you know, private part. No one's to do this. No one's to do that. And I can remember back when my oldest daughter wanted to be in Girl Scout, I called my Girl Scout leader, Miss Johnson. Uh, Miss Johnson. I said, Miss Johnson, my daughter wants to be in Girl Scout. Whose Girl Scout troop should I sign her up for? She said, yours. Uh, Miss Johnson, I'm not looking to be a Girl Scout leader. I just want to know who troop you think is a good troop to put my daughter in. And she calmly said, mm -hmm. yours. Miss <laughs> Johnson only had one daughter, and I've been friends with Danita ever since I was five years old, and we're still good friends to this mm -hmm. day. 
and she only had one daughter, and she volunteered for 35 years with the um, Milwaukee, Wisconsin Girl Scout Troop, um, volunteering with them for years. And her job was to inspect the campsite, making sure everything was safe with the kids and things like that. So I did. I, All right. She told me three times. That was it. All right. I joined. I signed up, became a Girl Scout leader. And when I realized that sometimes both men and women, the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts, people who um, are predator to these young children, young girls, they sign up and become a part of these organizations where they feel um, – they have uh, control or they in the circle of these young kids who are very, very vulnerable and very, very trusting to adults. And I learned that, and that's when I learned to put my guards up and be very particular about who I hand my children and grandchildren over to because you just can't assume that because this person holds this title and this position and they are they have a certain look or certain address that they're safe to be to release the most precious thing you have is your children to them. That's the most precious thing you have. So we have to guard that. And I know it's kind of hard because people can put on airs and um, carry a facade that, that will blindside a lot of people. Because you've seen many people, even with the uh, gymnastic um, doctor who was um, – treating these girls for years, the parents didn't see. And sometimes we become some com- comfortable with some of these adults and other people that we let our guards down, that we don't even look at the signs. So what are some of the signs um, based on the years of experience that you guys have been looking at that we need to be attuned to with our children and how to have that conversation? Yeah, you know, and, any kind of changes in behavior that seem out of the norm, norm, you know, we don't want to send up alarm bells for no reason, mm-hmm. but that would be absolutely something to consider if your child has a significant change of behavior, be, start to get very discerning about wh- who they are around and what, what, what they're doing and, and asking gentle questions, you know, and a lot of times direct questioning can be very overwhelming and the immediate answer you're going to get is nothing's going on, you know, um, because this is a very shameful situation. No child was meant to ever experience it. And so they don't have the capacity to understand what happened. They just know it was wrong and bad. And so they will likely hide that information. So if the child says no one time, you don't take that for an answer, but also do it gently keep your eyes open. And this is one of the reasons why discernment is so important um, because like you said, these individuals, you know, they're wolves in sheep's clothing very often. They're very expert on grooming children. Most of, most of the time, and I can't remember the specific statistics, but um, I think I, I want to say almost 80% of the time the child is abused by someone they know intimately, whether it's a, a family member or a teacher or a coach um, it's not a stranger. Children are very, very rarely abused by a stranger. And those children typically will disclose pretty immediately because they have no relationship with the abuser. But once the abuser is someone that they have a relationship with, they, the children automatically um, form a bond and then form what we call a trauma bond, which means that they, it's almost like Stockholm syndrome. They, they become, um, it becomes kind of normalized that this person would be hurting them and it would be difficult for them to disclose. And so um, the most important thing that I can recommend is have just 
regardless of whether abuse is happening or not, um, is have a very close trusting relationship with your child that's free mm-hmm. of shame. Um, no shaming for bad behavior, obviously consequences, but not anything like I'm disappointed in you or why would you do that or getting mad if they tell you something that um, they did that was wrong. Again, obviously consequences are important, but we talk about we want to take all emotion out of any discipline because if you discipline with emotion, the child starts to learn that they've done something, they are a bad person, not done something bad. And so we want logical consequences where the punishment meets the crime and then it's not taught, then it's, it's done right there, which builds a trusting relationship where the child knows it's safe to talk about anything and they won't get in trouble because the first thing a child is going to think is I'm going to get in so much trouble because I let this person do this to me. The children are self-centered mm-hmm. in all in way. And so whether if a good thing happens, it's because they're awesome. And if a bad thing happens, it's because they're, they're bad, a bad person. And so they the fear of getting in trouble is a big one. So having a close, like a trusting relationship with your child is, is of utmost importance so that if an abuse ever, you know, God forbid does happen, the child would be so much more likely to disclose. You know, we know that children with, with a close attachment to their parents and their mothers in particular are significantly more likely to disclose than children who don't have a good relationship with their mothers or their mother is cold, distant, or harsh. Um, those children will have a hard time disclosing. And so if you aren't a parent and you are have a child in your life who you're close to and you may not have that outlet with their parent, again, being a safe person for them before any abuse even happens is kind of the preemptive mm-hmm. measure um, that will go so far. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can remember when I was a kid, they used to hand come to the police, used to come to our school, and stranger danger, <laughs> and they used to mm-hmm. hand out this thing, tell us to beware of strangers, and and I'm not as a kid, I didn't know, but as I became an adult, I'm thinking it ain't the strangers we need to be aware of. It's the people we know, the teachers, the doctors, um, the family members, that my aunts, the uncles, um, the cousins, the neighbors, the people that's in our circle. Those are the ones we really need to be careful of. Now, is there um, a teaching with your thing, no touching, or what parts of the body is okay to touch or not to touch? And how do you handle that with the kids, especially with young age children? Um, I think that um, it's really important um, as adults to obviously um, allow your children the freedom to accept or decline someone hugging them or wanting to come to them to say, hey, give your aunt or your uncle a kiss. Like, I don't think that it's appropriate anymore to force your child to show physical affection. Um, A lot of times that's also where that grooming comes in from a perpetrator. They will, for instance, like, start touching a child's leg so they get comfortable with that feeling of that touch and they'll move on to more of the of the private parts of their body. But I think it's important for you to teach your children to even say, like, if they don't want somebody to touch their arm or their shoulder, they can say, can mm-hmm. you not touch me? You know, so because it doesn't always just necessarily start with the private areas. So I think it's okay for them to take ownership of their body to say, hey, I don't want you to touch me or no thank you or 
um, you know, just to kind of put some parameters and teach your children that it's okay to say no to an adult. And that's something that hasn't been taught over the course of years because that's disrespectful or it's rude or in our culture, you know, you, you're a child, right? Just be quiet with whatever um, the adult is saying, but that has opened the door to so much abuse. So I think it's mm-hmm. really important to them to take ownership of their body and it's okay to say no to an adult. And if there's any kind of confrontation, I would rather teach my child to be more respectful than to have to put her into, into therapy because she was sexually abused. And so I think with that way, um, and also teaching your children the correct terminology for their body parts is important as well. (laughs) And I think that that's important because um, if, God forbid, if you ever had to go to court for anything, like we've seen people get off because a person did not call a vagina a vagina. They called it a whatever it may be. And so they couldn't confirm that the private part that was touched was a vagina. So it's important to teach your children the correct terminology for their body as well. Wow. And it's funny you said that because we were taught to say little monkey. (laughs) You know, he gave it it nicknames. And I remember uh, when I was working, um, company I used to work for about 15 years, a couple of ladies and I were sitting out. We had to work overtime. And um, one of the ladies' daughter called late uh, at work and said, my vagina hurt. I did something. I fell and I hurt my vagina, whatever. And her daughter was five uh-huh. or six. I said, well, your daughter said the proper name. She said, yeah. I said, we were taught to say monkey, and we just, like, cracking up laughing because everybody's going through the office. We're sitting around telling each other what our name, our little nicknames we were given. And one lady, it was only one lady out the whole group of us, and I think it was like eight of us. Their mom taught them to say vagina. And my daughter teaches my granddaughter. She said, no, don't give her a nickname. It's, tell it what it is. Call it by its real name, you know. And that is very important. So, you, And when you said they got off because the child wasn't able to identify what part of the body by name the perpetrator mm-hmm. touched, that's very powerful. And another thing you said, uh, take ownership of your body and teaching our kids that. And you know how many times we tell, give your uncle a hug, give your cousin a hug. But one thing I do not like kids to do is sit on anybody's lap. So that's when I'm like, mm, no, get off his lap. No, you don't need to sit on her lap, but get off their lap. So that, you know, people you don't know or relatives, I don't like kids sitting on their lap. Now that I've gotten older and I understand that, what could be happening or even protecting your kids to have control of their body. Because I like what you just said, right. take ownership and children to do that. That's very, very powerful. Mm-hmm. And how and and how, how what age you start from the beginning um, when they're able to walk and talk? You having this conversation with kids or educating parents to have this conversation with their children? Absolutely, I think that the correct terminology for their body parts should come as they're learning to speak. I mean, sometimes you might run into funny moments, but at least you know that your child knows how to um, say what's what. And I also think, again, even as they're learning to walk and talk, it's important to teach your child to be able to verbalize their feeling, their emotion, what they, like, if they're not wanting to go to a particular person, like, have them, like, teach them to learn how to explain what they're feeling. Um, And they may not be able Mm -hmm. to do it right away because 
children can't, but I think it's important for them to be able to identify their emotion at an early age or the feeling that they're feeling at an early age as well. Mm-hmm. So, and a, a lot of times adults can't do that. Mm-hmm. So, it's, you know, right. it's something exactly. that it can be a family figured out thing, mm-hmm. but I think it's important to make sure that we can start verbalizing what's the feeling. Mm-hmm. But, you know, yeah, a lot and of times, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to kind of piggyback off of that for parents. You know, it's so imperative that if there is any shame or stigma that you hold around certain body parts or certain emotions, um, the best thing that you can do for your child is to work through that on your own for yourself um, because a child picks, is very, very in tune with their parent. You know, a sign of a good parent is that their child is super attached and super attuned, and the, the, the only downside of that would be that if there is a stigma that you feel about you know, your body parts or if you've been through a trauma or if a certain emotion is not okay, the child will pick up on that and, and take it as their own because a child takes every, it's kind of a, you know, takes everything from their parent and kind of um, internalizes it and bad. And so it's just very important. Again, one of the preemptive measures is to, to work through your own feelings about, about certain things so you'll be able to be healthy if your child ever needs this. How do you know? And you know, as a parent and grandma, you know, I had a daycare, and a lot of times, sometimes separation is the issue. So, if you're taking a child to a family member house or to a daycare or to a facility where the child's going to be with someone else, and they don't, they're clinging to you. How do we know that clinging is not just separation? You know, that mommy, you don't want mommy to go to work, or if there's something else going on at that place. How do we recognize that, or how do we adjust? Or to check to see what's going on there. Well, I think a, a one thing to look for would be if it was a sudden change. And so if the anxiety was there before the child ever went to daycare, they were already anxious and, and had separation anxiety in other situations, not just one. Um, okay. It would be, it's, it's more separation. But if there's a sudden change where they love to go to daycare or their uncle's house or whoever, and then they started crying and not wanting to go, um, that would be a red flag, as well as if they have no problem separating in other situations, but there's one um, situation, location that they feel safe, they, they get terrified and don't want you to go. That's another big red flag as well. Mm-hmm. Now, with, if a parent suspects um, that there's some issues going on, how does one go about investigating or checking it out? and making sure they're heading in the right direction to stop the abuse or um, making sure this person is charged. How do one go about doing that? What are the steps like? I may say, you know what, I'm not trusting this guy that's babysitting my grandson. So what do I need to do to validate or to find out the truth? Um, I think... One of the things that's really important is, again, like uh, Kelly discussed, is having the relationship with your child so you can ask questions Um, and then document kind of some of the differences or changes that you may see in your child. Um, I don't necessarily think that the best way would be to confront the person only because... um, you know, I just, it can go in so many different directions. It really just depends on 
who the person is and kind of where they are. Um, so I would definitely just use wisdom, use discernment, but but quietly document, which would be with between the things that you're seeing, writing it down, um, talking to your child. And I think that regarding talking to your child as well, it's very important not to accuse a person when you're talking to them. For instance, if you say it was Uncle Ron that you're kind of feeling weird about, um, not to ask your child, did Uncle Ron touch you inappropriately? And the reason why it's important to not ask direct questions or the, for the person specifically is because that can be considered coaching if it ever had to go into court. So it's oh. very good to questions to your child. Mm-hmm. So has there been anyone? Um, that's an open-ended question that you can ask. Um, you know, something like that. Um, to make sure that you're starting to kind of get something around and then tell your child, if this ever happens, know that I won't be upset. I won't, you know, let them know that it's a safe place to go back to. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate because not always do children disclose. So you don't want to throw your child out there again, but also too, as a parent, if you just, sometimes you just don't have to have proof in order to know something's wrong. So it's okay to go off your instinct, which is God talking to you sometimes. So if you're mm-hmm. not feeling comfortable with leave it alone, <laughs> you know, and just ask God to show you, you know, and pray and ask God for direction of how to handle the situation. Wow. Okay. I just want to write, remind our listening audience, you're on For Your Health Blog Talk Radio. I'm Marsha Thaddison, your host, and my guest tonight is Crystal Marshall, the founder of Define with the Purpose and her therapist, Kelly Hughes. We're talking about abuse and incest, um, especially with COVID-19 and stay-at-home order. We'll be right back, and we're going to cover some more issues, hoping that we'll be able to help other children, um, family members to identify and to be set free from the spirit that the enemy is using to get our children. So we want our children to be safe. So we'll be right back. Thank you.
This time I want y'all to help us do it. Lift your hands in this atmosphere. Tell him yes. I'm grateful. The victory that we won. Tell him I could go on and on. About your works. Because I'm grateful. Praise you, Lord. Lift your hands and say, flowing from my heart.
All right, you're back with the DR Network. I'm your host, Marsha Patterson, and I have the pleasure and the honor to have on my show Crystal Marshall, the founder of Define with a Purpose, and her therapist, Kelly Hughes. Both of them were talking about incest and child abuse. You know, as, as a mom and a grandma, I really, really want to put our children in a spiritual cocoon to just keep them safe and protected to be able to have them to flower and come out to be the blessing and the gift that God has in store for them to be. But I know sometimes the plan of the enemy is to kind of to um, to destroy that gift and that plan. But um, I know some people who've had these traumas and um, situations, somehow it empowered them to be better. They empowered them to live a life, to reach others that's gone through what they've gone through, to be that help or that voice for the voice who uh, can't speak up for themselves. Um, And I empower people like that, and I thank people. There's so many organizations out there, like I was mentioning earlier, um, in, um, in Violence Against Children. Then you have the American Psychology Association, and then they have the National Domestic Violence Hotline, these different places that are out there um, that want to help. And we want people to know that they're out there and just like yours is. Um, Crystal and uh, Kelly, tell me now, I know children behave, you said notice some change in their behavior. Give us some example. I know some people said wetting the bed may be one of the traumas that if your child never wet the bed, they starting to wet the bed or uh, becoming angry. Um, what are other, some of the other signs that parents can look for or um, kind to link that could make a connection to this or knowing that their child is silently crying for help? Yeah, so things like nightmares can be um, a sign that typically if a child doesn't have nightmares and starts having nightmares or is afraid of the dark, um, afraid of small spaces, all of those things that, again, any just drastic changes in behavior that seem to come on um, without, without a, a, a purpose that you can, you can see might be a sign that something has happened um, with, at some point when you weren't present. Um, and so things like that, anxiety is to, a high anxiety for a child who hasn't been very anxious to have high anxiety um, like we talked about, the separation anxiety or anxiety about going to um, specific places. Also, a child who's just become withdrawn and shut down without much warning or without any um, obvious reason. Um, that's also a, a sign, again, when the shame um, of the event gets overwhelming, a lot of times children will shut down. Um, other things can be acting out in certain ways or having more of a preoccupation with um, their private areas. Again, that's not always a sign of abuse. Children are naturally curious. Um, But if there's a preoccupation and then there are things that are being said that um, are concerning to you, if your discernment or your your kind of radar goes up, that that would be something to pay attention to, especially with young children, because young children don't know that a lot of times they don't know that what happened to them was bad. If If it was a trusted person, um, they don't have a concept of, of sexuality and, and that adults should not be exposing themselves or, 
are doing that sort of thing with children, and so they might make offhanded comments um, that could sound silly or could sound funny, um, but really paying attention to those. So something such as, you know, Mr. So-and-so uh, showed me his XYZ, and you think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird, something odd and strange. Um, really pay attention mm-hmm. to that. That's something um, that those who are grooming children often do. They, they give pet names to body parts, and that's another reason why it's really um, important that your children know what their body parts are and the opposite sex body parts are as well, um, so that they're informed. Um, and so, and then additionally, if the child is just is complaining about um, about a certain person or not not wanting to be around a certain person because they're mean or because they're um, they 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 yell at them or, or something. Even if that person is a very nice person, you know, a lot of times parents will discount that and say, "Oh no, no, Miss So and So is 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 nice. Like she's, she's so sweet to you." But if a child is saying they're mean, they may not mean they're actually emotionally mean. They may mean they did something harmful or hurtful to them. Um, and again, we've been using the male. You know, we've been talking about uncles and and coaches, but a lot of children are also abused um, by females as well. And so, don't discount if a child. Um, having the same reaction, mm-hmm. a lot of parents or people will kind of discount it because it is a female. Mm-hmm. Um, but women, um, the children are abused by women at a, a much higher rate than many people realize. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes you think they're much safer to leave your child with a woman than it is to leave it with a male. And most women are feel more safe to leave their children with a female as opposed to with a male. Mm-hmm. And then and you said one out of six boys are um, abused more than girls. So our boys are prime target. I remember as a kid, parents kept their girls under lock, and the boys was kind of free to range and you know come home what they wanted. They didn't they didn't watch them. But all of our children is precious, and they needed to be guarded and protected. Their their mind, body, and soul. So it's not that they're confused sexually about who they are or what they're, who, I mean, their body parts or anything like that. Yeah, and it's slight. So it's one in four girls and and one in six boys. However, I I do after the research that I've done um, in during grad school, I really believe that number is pretty pretty 50-50, that fewer boys disclose abuse because it's less um, socially acceptable. Um, like you said, girls have gotten the, the protection and the, the, um, the people have known that girls have been being abused for, long, for more. It's been acceptable to talk about that, but boys, it's less acceptable, and so many still don't disclose. But I would I would, it would be safe to say that the same number of boys and girls are likely um, abused. And so if you have sons paying close attention to, to them as well and not discounting that, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's, like, it's possible that they um, would be susceptible to that experience. Now, what about if a parent or grandparents have a conversation with their kids and, and we set up a code? Now, you know how you can set up a code to say, not to actually blame someone, but to say, okay, you come up with a code um, or some type of language to let the child let you know and you would know without letting everybody else in the room know 
what has happened to him to say that we have a secret communication among ourselves or secret code to let me know. As soon as you, I pick you up, you can, you know, have this conversation, the trees or something about the apples or to have something that both the mother and the child or the father and the child know to communicate that, hey, something went down today. And the parents know right away that I need to address something here because of what my, the code that my child came. Do you guys have that kind of conversation or training with people to say we can have a conversation in code so people won't know the child is telling or the child is not exposing people right away? Um, I think that that could be something that um, could work. However, if I think that if a kid will, you know, disclose a code, they'll also disclose what's going on. So that I feel like <laughs> is just important to keep the relationship, if you understand what I'm saying. You know, like I think it's really long-term, just keep the a good relationship with your child and just have that regular communication. Um, with them because right then at that moment a child does disclose that the pear tree is beautiful and that's the code that you guys had chosen then what Mm -hmm. what like we have to have like a plan after that so does the parent then go to the caretaker and say you did this to my child because you still don't have enough information and the thing that I I'm sorry go ahead the reason why I said you have a cold because that way, instead of waiting a day later, you can maybe take the child in the car. Okay, if this happened in the pantry, or well, like you said, the pantry, what happened? Tell me exactly what happened away from it. So that knows the child. The parent knows that giving him an alert, this is something we need to talk about right now. And it doesn't have to be in that space, but they have to deal with it like outside or in a car and then the parent can go back or handle it from a legal standpoint or whatever the next step should be. And that's another thing. What are those steps? Okay, if I know my child told me someone touched them and I don't have proof, how do I do I go and file a complete report or uh, – my motherly instinct would probably want to go back in, in the house and kick their butt and beat them up or do something like that, <laughs> but I know that's not the right way to handle things. And because right. usually you think of that, you become enraged and you're ready to fight. I mean, at least I am. I'll be ready to fight and go after this individual, whether family mm-hmm. member or not, I'm ready to go after them. So give us the legal way to address this without our emotions uh, taking control? Um, I think the first thing would be is um, to get all the information that the child is willing to give at that moment. So what that would look like is, you know, you being there, being empathetic with your child as they're speaking as well, but not to a point to where they don't feel comfortable to continue to speak. So, for instance, if the person does say or the child does say, hey, um, this happened to me, you know, you, you grab them, you, you console them, you help them and to feel comfortable. And, again, say, ask them to tell you more as opposed to saying things like, did Uncle Ron do this to you? So tell me more. Um, is there anything else that you want to tell me? And, again, make sure that we're not directing or coaching the child during the disclosure. Everything that's 
that is disclosed, I would suggest to write it all down. So you have time, date, you have what was going on when the child disclosed, because all of that stuff is going to be so important. And then from there, um, I would contact the police department. The police department will also contact CPS or Child Protective Services um, that's in your area. Um, And that would be the first step that I would take. And then I would also suggest to get your child into therapy as soon as possible. And the reason why I think that that is important as well is because, um, for instance, if there's, let's say it's mom with her ex-husband, which is dad to the child, and the ex-husband was doing something, um, if there's a a good attorney would say, hey, so um, the reason why the child is saying this is because mom is mad at dad for something. So that will try to discard or throw away the um, disclosure that the child made. So it's important for the child to also disclose to someone else um, and somebody that is used to um, dealing with situations like this, such as a therapist. Um, it's also good for them to disclose to maybe a school teacher or a counselor at school or someone from church or a close family friend that has no involvement within whatever situation is going on with mother and the other person, if there's anything. Wow. What about physical, if, you know, are they examined for physical trauma or anything like that? When do, do a doctor, the child have to be examined when the parents are thinking something has happened to their child? Um, that would depend on the length of time between the disclosure and the, um, and the well, when the abuse happened and then the disclosure. Because unfortunately, like we've said, it's going to be very, 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 very rare that a child is going to disclose immediately. Um, that's why the, the code word would be excellent in theory, but likely because when trauma happens, it shuts down the brain, it shuts down the thinking part of the brain, the child won't have the wherewithal to disclose, to like run out to the car and say, this just happened to me. Um, likely, it, ideally that would be great and hopefully that would happen, but most of the time it won't. And so there'll be a a length of time that will pass before the child is able to come, their brain is able to come back online. They're able to gather up the courage to disclose to their parent. Um, And so if the police department would likely direct you and that direct the parent and to, to whether that was necessary or not, a lot of times if there's no, if there is, it's highly unlikely that there's going to be physical evidence it, that they do not do an examination because it's, it's extremely traumatizing to have that examination done um, just because it is mm-hmm. um, on small children. Well, how so. can they able to identify of like a four-month-old or three-month-old um, unless there's some physical uh, trauma? Done. How can we identify when an infant or young baby that ain't aren't able to talk has been um, uh, been sexually abused or been um, hurt some kind of way or been used in sexual um, parts? Um, using you know how I'm saying. I guess I'm trying to say right. how can I just yeah that somebody didn't call some young baby because baby's got a suction notion and maybe some adult man you know pulled his penis out and tried to have the baby suck on him. How do we know this kind of stuff is happening to an infant? 
that would be something, unfortunately, sometimes we just don't know. I think that um, one thing that I can say are um, would be just, again, like pray. You have to ask for discernment and wisdom because sometimes, like, we don't have that understanding of that or we can't I, at all. Um, and yeah. especially if there's some kind of, like, um, vaginas and private parts, they heal very quickly. They're made to heal quickly. So sometimes we can miss those things. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important also to um, make sure that we are being in God and just co- covering our children because yeah. especially if those yeah. we can't see it. Right, right, right. No, you know, I remember in the Bible, I think in the Bible they, they, there were women back in the old days that would be able to look at a woman or examine a woman to see if she was a virgin. Is, uh-huh. Now, is there a way that we can look at an infant little girl to tell that someone's messed with them or not the way or, or is that or is that doesn't happen until you become a more of an adult woman? Um, I I do understand what you're asking. Um, From my experience, and I don't have a whole bunch of experience in this at all, um, my question would be, I guess, um, if there's any kind of lacerations or cuts or something like that externally, um, that would be one thing. Um, But I, I don't think that we have the we are not able to go inside to check to see if that's happening because then just like Kelly was talking about that can re-traumatize the child if that gotcha. makes sense so yeah. you don't want it makes to sense. traumatize or touch those areas again to see if something happens or to see if they'll react because then you can be just as you know we can hurt our children right. just as much trying to help right so, right I understand that. I understand that. Now, I guess I'm going to ask another question, and, and it may sound silly, uh, but, okay, now, if these children have been touched sexually, and this is kind of, to me, they've waken up that sexual spirit or that energy that they're going to be, um, are they going to be masturbating or are they going to be trying to get that feeling again, and how do you teach the child about controlling that or not allowing it to control them? Did that make sense? Yeah, it definitely makes sense. Um, you do see at times um, children will be more exploratory when it comes to uh, sex and touching and masturbation um, when those things have happened. Um, some therapists will say that that's normal for age group as people, as kids are growing up. Um, personally, I don't believe that it's normal. Um, yeah, just because I realize that there are there can be times where things are woken up way earlier than what they're supposed to be. So um, I, I agree. agree. Yeah. So being said, um, I don't really know how to make your child stop as much as to just bring it out in the open and have conversation about it. I think it's okay to talk to your child, say, Hey, um, if you're dealing with this or, um, have you ever touched yourself or, you know, and explain to them like some of the reasons that it's not appropriate so they can have an understanding. Right. So it's not because mom said don't do that. It's inappropriate because of A, B, C, D, whatever it may be. 
And not only that, and this is my personal opinion, and as a mom and a grandma, and as an adult, and as a young woman, and you know, you know, being have children, had relationships, and things like that, is that to have that spirit awakening at a young age where you can't control it and don't know why you're doing it. And if you don't get a hold of it, it will get a hold of you. And so every time you feel like doing this, you're going to be having sex or want to have sex or masturbate or do that kind of stuff. And it's kind of like riding, going through life with your feet on a gas paddle where whenever you feel like something, you're just going to press down. That's not controlling. The Bible tells that we have to control the flesh. And the enemy has come in and stolen this child's virginity from them because it's supposed to wait until you're married and have this relationship or when you um, have these feelings. And now this child has these feelings, um, who knows when, whether they're watching television or they're somewhere else, and then you don't want them taking those feelings onto other little children and other kids as they're playing. And I think that can be the danger of adults opening up these spirits on these children. I call them demon spirits, demons, adults that's going here and stealing these children's um, virginity at a young age. And now they have these feelings and emotions, which are normal, but they have to bring it into control. And I think that's where counseling come in and should come in to identify. Because that's like with someone having rage and anger from someone hurting them and beating them. So all they want to do is hurt and beat someone else. But you have to learn how to control that rage and that anger. And now you have to learn how to control the sexual spirit or the special feelings that you're going to feel, which is a normal thing. And I think sometimes the person who did this to the well, you know that feels good, you know you like this, or you know you like this, and you're thinking, well, I do enjoy it and I do feel it, but that's a normal thing. But you didn't want it from uncle or daddy or somebody else. It was supposed to come from a man or woman when you have a relationship with, not with you being forced to have one. That's my opinion. I think that's where I think it's just it's not normal and that we should teach the young people at this young age because of this trauma, this is why you're feeling this, but you have to control it because otherwise if they can't control it, that means that spirit that was once in that other person going to go and and play with other children or other people, and next thing you know, it's spreading. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I, I think you're you're right, and one of that would be especially where a parent's um, spiritual warfare would come in. You know, not even addressing it. I mean, obviously addressing it educationally with the child, but we want to make sure not to shame or scare the child, especially if it's a young child. And so as a parent, being really aware of what, exactly what you just said and how to wage warfare for your child on behalf of your child, protect them, break those spirits off of them as they're covering. Mm-hmm. Because if a child is, is young enough, they, they won't be able to do that themselves. Um, and so really empowering parents to, to be able to have that, that covering and take that authority over whatever has happened to their child whenever the trauma is disclosed, I think is an excellent um, way for parents to you know, to protect their children, not just in a physical manner, but, but spiritually, um, because right. And right. there are, there are times when children who have been abused do, um, perpetrate on other children. Um, and that it's, it's rare, but it happens. And so you you know, we want to make sure that those things are broken off and then that 
in a non-shaming way. The child understands that what happened to them was harmful. And, and typically if they've gotten right. treatment for that and it's been identified, they won't um, go on to perpetrate on other children. Um, if they can, you know, like you said, if they can be educated that these desires are normal, but it was, you know, yeah. they're coming because of the. Mm-hmm. And it's coming early because of what had happened to them and it was not their fault. And there's nothing right. for them to be ashamed of. Yeah, I do. All right, just want to remind our listening audience, you're on the D-Hour Network for your help with Marsha Patterson, and I have Crystal Marshall and Kelly Hughes. We'll be right back on the D-Hour Network.
Thompson, I'm your host with For Your Health, and we have Crystal Marshall and Kelly Hughes on. Ladies, I just really applaud you for what you're doing because um, I love kids. I love kids. I think they're the most precious thing we can have that has God has given us. And sometimes we value so many things in life, our jobs, our homes, and but the kids, we put our kids on the back burner. But um, they're precious, and we have to do our jobs as mom, grandma, community to keep them safe, and we need to know what that looks like and how to do that. Uh, a lot of times people who um, use these children and abuse them have been abused themselves, and that's why it's so important. So I know a lot of times when family members have gone through these crises or are going through these crises, and we know a lot of American people are without jobs, they're having a hard time financially, emotionally, and spiritually, people are shaken. So to have to deal with a crisis like this and know that it's a program in place, Crystal, that you put together to help family members with the financial thing, how do you go about raising money to get this cost to help people with attorney fees and counseling? Uh, I know this stuff isn't free, so how is this done? So um, one thing that we really... Um, pay special attention to is making sure that we're building relationships. So uh, some of our therapists and some of our attorneys do pro bono work on the behalf of our clients, which helps us significantly. Um, But also, too, it's really important for us to fundraise, grant writing, for us to have um, private donors that really have a heart to what we're doing and believe in our organization enough to, you know, give to help these families that can't afford it on their own. So it's just it's raising money is a job in itself, but it's necessary because some so many people still are um, will be abused, unfortunately, due to the financial strain that it it can put on a family or it can place on a family, or they don't have the money to seek the help that they need. Therapy is pricey, and so are is an attorney, and so that's the reason why we do fundraise and set up relationships. So. Now, one of your fundraising, I attend one of them, is the fashion show. You do fashion shows, is that correct, uh-huh. one of them? We have one, or not, we've had multiple, but this year, unfortunately, we won't have it due to the COVID virus. The COVID, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we'll do um, October 10th, I believe, we're going to have a, a fundraiser dinner, um, social distance kind of a dinner to some of her, some of our donors. To come to and just kind of learn more about what we've done over the year. So, okay. Now, I saw on your website. What is about the artist connection? What is that about the artist connection? Yeah. So we have a um, artist. Um, her name is Cynthia Perryman, who um, mm-hmm. unfortunately, due to everything that was going on with the um, with George Floyd and the killing of him and um, all of the unfortunate and untimely deaths of other um, um, black men and women in our nation. Um, Cynthia gathered many of her other artist friends together to give back to our organization um, to help since we are a um, black-owned nonprofit organization. And so they've all come together to um, give back to our organization. They have given us or 
they have paintings on sale that 100% of the proceeds go to our organization to help our kids. So that's what's going wow. on, and we have that going on. Every single painting is sold. Yeah. Now, um, speaking of nationalities, yes, you are African American. Now, this uh, incest and child abuse cross all borders, all lines, but we find that a lot of time in the African-American community, there's not enough help or resource for people to get help, and this is the reason why you started Divine Purpose? Um, just because of the lack of resources? Yeah, within our community, yeah. Yeah. within the African-American community? Yeah, and it wasn't necessarily because, because of the the African American community, as opposed to my community, you know, if that makes sense. So, like my home, my family, my parents. So, I know that yeah. unfortunately, I had this particular experience um, to where, unfortunately, my daughter was sexually abused um, by her biological um, family, father's side of the family, and so um, going to make sure that she didn't have to go back to a visitation to see him or their family. Um, was a very difficult and costly strain on us. We didn't have the finances. Personally, me as a single mom, I didn't have the finances to make sure that, that my daughter stayed safe. So gratefully, my parents had the income and finances to be able to help me through that situation. And so that is the reason why um, we provide those resources. And a lot of African-American communities, as well as um, many communities don't have the resources. For instance, our our um, attorney that we hired for my daughter's case was $400 an hour. And there were wow. many, many, and her therapist that she had, because she had to have a specific forensic therapist that could testify on her behalf in court, because she was three years old when it happened, she was $360 an hour. And so we want to wow. be able to provide the best, the best, um, resources for these kids that are going through this, this situation and their families. So it's for, yes, again, African-American community, um, a lot of times they don't have that resource um, financially, but there's a lot of other communities as well that suffer from the lack of finances to be able to keep their children safe. Yeah, and, and you doing, you guys doing a beautiful job, and I know your daughter, she she's She's beautiful, she's well-rounded, and God has kept her uh, and healed her in such a special way that she does help you out sometimes. Isn't that correct? You're right. Yes, so she is – so the way that our organization is set up is that once you've completed the the, um, mentorship program, you can go and be a junior mentor. And so my daughter has um, aided in a few of our um, client cases. Um, for some of the younger kids that have come in because she's 10 now. And so she mentors some of the younger kids that come, comes in that may not necessarily hear from an adult perspective. So she'll sit in some of our sessions and, like, help us and more so just really give value to the, the client that comes in so they can really understand that, first of all, they're not the only one that's ever experienced this, but also, too, for them to know, like, your value of who they are and that, you know, this doesn't have to be the only thing that they're identified by. So she's really great at just really encouraging others. I love that, yeah. And that's what we want to do, and that's the reason why I have you on this show, because 
uh, as COVID-19 hit and the parents are staying at home, like the kids are at home, that's the first thing I thought about is I knew the domestic violence was up. So the kids are afraid because the parents are fighting. Now they got someone, some adult coming after you as a child. I just can't even imagine uh, the fear these kids are feeling and going through and the trauma. So I just thank you. So if anybody wanted to reach you guys, where could they reach you Um like you said again, give them the information, please. Sure. So our um, website is defined, www.defined, D-E-S-I-N-E-D, with purpose.com. Um, so you can go on there. It has all of our contact information, our email addresses and everything. Or you can give us a call. Um, our local number here in Atlanta is 404 707 4434, or you can reach us at um, on our Instagram page, and that's at Defined with Purpose. Now, uh, do you guys see in the future having maybe um, um, a facility where the kids can stay and not be have to be at home? So, because usually your clients are still at home with their family members, um, not with the abuser, right? With with a member that's not abusing them and getting the counseling. Is that correct? Correct. Correct, yes. And, and eventually yeah. we would love to have a, a safe home for children who are currently experiencing the abuse. Right now we partner okay. with other organizations in our area to house that right now need a place to go for immediate, like for an immediate getaway from, from that situation. So. Um, but, like, the idea that we have is to have something that will be comforting for them. It'll be reassuring for the children. It'll be a place of uplifting and just really a place of just refuge for them. And so that's where our goal is to, for we, so we can grow into that. That was great. I was going to ask you about a safe. So there is safe house for children that they can go to and be able to sleep at night and be able to while they're, the person is being charged or whatever is going on on the legal front, they are in a safe place. Um, yes and no. Right now, um, most of the time they are. They do go to a safe place. For instance, if it is a younger child, um, they will go to a um, foster care home oh. or that. So they're taken out of the home immediately, but sometimes, too, they have to go to juvenile um, housing. Oh, oh, okay. And see, my thing is I would love to see, and this, well, we're going to pray for this, and we're gonna, we believe in God for big. It's a place that's just a really safe home, nothing with other kids that's, you know, a juvenile correctional center or even some foster care homes, but this home is designed for kids who've been abused sexually or emotionally. Right and that they can have that safe spot with kids their ages so they're not with older kids that, you know what I'm saying, and then taken into, into another family home that they don't know, even though they're going into a facility. But I guess, I don't know, it comes from like a McDonald house or a space, a space that you want the kids to feel safe and welcome. And a lot of times I know sometimes this foster care is not that place and sometimes those juvenile facilities are not that place that Absolutely. we want the children to be safe and just uh, make them know that this is not your fault, like you said. You are loved. You are special. 
and you're going to be protected. I think that is so mm-hmm. important for the kids to get that message. Absolutely. So I'm, yeah, I, I'm defined by purpose. Wait a minute. Do you guys want a house? Look, do you want a house before we start praying for something? That you ain't say, I didn't pray for this. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> but um, it has to be up to the, what, you know, God has for these children because I definitely don't want to take out of a place to where they're into another place to where they have so much fear. Like I really, yes. in my heart, and the vision that I believe that God placed on my heart is for it to be a place that, that is like almost extravagant for them. If that yes. makes sense to where, yes. Yes. It's to where they're excited yes. to be there and have to be there to where they yes. can disclose and have yes. and all the um, dreams and see a vision to where they know that there's so much more for them besides where they just came from. And so I want this home to be a place like that to where when they come in as well, they have their own, their own space. You know, it isn't that they have yes. to share a room with five children. Right. You know, so yes. kind of what that is. I got that vision. I see that. Yes. And, you know, something beautiful, gorgeous, almost the kind of place that make them light up and think it's Christmas, you know? Yeah. I love that, yeah. All right, I'm going to take another break. We're on the DR Network, and this is Marcia Thatterson. Uh, we are blessed for you guys to be doing what you're doing, so we'll be right back. Two men storms have passed your way. And you're all washed out Cause it rained on your parade Seems nobody cares About you anyway Now you're living your life Like a castaway Search for strength and time Was it all in vain? Cause the deeper you dig You find more and more pain Don't let your tomorrow Be like yesterday Cause I'm booked to God I called out your on your behalf, I just ask if he would be there for you. I want you to
being spiritually in tuned and then emotionally in tuned with your child enough to recognize when something happens that's out of out of sorts or out of the ordinary um, is just incredibly important. And then having a whole line of communication with the family, the family having a lot of open communication, no secrets, um, having a culture that is that is truthful and honest will really encourage um, that honesty if anything were were to happen there'd be a lot of safety to be able to to talk about it now don't you think the church need to address these issues more from the pulpit and congregation to educate the uh, the mass of the community because you don't hear even on regular television or programs we're not addressing these issues um We've been our media is bombarded with so much other stuff, but it's not dealing with the real issue with children. And I can remember back in the days they used to run a commercial like "Beware Stranger," teaching the kids kind of to, to walk away from strangers. But we're not really educating through the mass media about uh, incest and child abuse. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that is something. Um, Thankfully, some churches are starting to, to recognize and, and speak out about and even have um, things in place that protect the children in the church because, unfortunately, church is a, a yes. great place for a to groom a child where the parents feel safe leaving them unattended. And so, um, but what I, I've seen in the last couple of years are that a lot of churches are getting on board with recognizing that this is an issue that they need to take a stance on because the church is where, you know, we can establish a standard um but i agree it's, it's absolutely something that the church needs to take up take to the forefront now another thing now kelly do you uh and maybe crystal you can answer this at any time these children going through counseling did you find any of them needing medication or something to uh antidepressant stuff to deal with what they're going through or this is all done through just group counseling emotionally and um prayer um, so I, you know, I think there are instances where medication might be necessary. I would, that would be the, you know, a, a last, not a last resort, but counseling really wasn't helpful. Um, a lot of times if the brain and the body have been under a lot of stress, the brain stops functioning and producing the chemicals it needs to, to produce. So if the trauma was um, really stressful in the child's body, obviously, the brain might not be functioning correctly. And so we can restore that function with medication. And then the body typically can start functioning. When the stress level is lower, the body can start functioning as it was created to function. So there is definitely a place for medication in the healing process if the child, because we, we see medication sometimes as like a Band-Aid or, or something. But, again, we the brain is a physical organ. And so the medication that's given um, for depression or anxiety oftentimes just helps the physical organ function just like if, if the child had a uh, an ailment in their in another part of their body it can help restore right. function. So sometimes it's necessary, but I definitely wouldn't say that that was the first thing to try. It would be after yeah. counseling and prayer and those kind of things just weren't quite getting helping the child's body get back into alignment. Now, what about food? Do you find that some of these children find comfort in food when they have been through these type of trauma too, that they use food as a, um, a way? Because uh, I remember listening to a testimony of a lady who had been sexually abused by her stepfather, and she started eating and gaining weight so she wouldn't, he wouldn't uh, find her attractive or come near her. 
Um, people use food as a comfort to um, to ward off their predator, to make people not look at them or find them attractive. Yes, it is a very common um, thing that uh, women in particular who've been abused as children will do. Um, also, the opposite is also true. Um, eating disorders are often a, a, can be a sign of um, abuse of some sort. Not always, but but it, it definitely any kind of any kind of coping mechanism that helps the person or the child not feel as deeply. Um, so, but food in particular, when the when the child does realize that by gaining weight, they people are less attracted to them physically, it can be it can be an addictive addictive thing. Um, which is why it's wow. so important to kind of and, and get the, the help that they need. At a very young age, so that way they can go on and live a very productive life, knowing that this is behind them and they now know and be equipped to move forward. Absolutely. Wow. That is beautiful. I love what you guys are doing. Um Crystal, I want to be a part of this dinner thing. And, you know, I've said this before, but I'm in Wisconsin now, but I'm going to be back in Atlanta in a couple more weeks. But uh, uh-huh. I really want I really want to connect with you um, through some nutritional diet things with the kids, and I would be volunteer. You know, I would come and sign up and do some work with you because I really, really love what you're doing. Uh, I applaud you guys and that I know it's going to take a village for us to reach our kids and educate people. Um, I would love to see that house, but, you know, we're going to have, we have to hold back the Holy Spirit. For that. <laughs> right, absolutely. It's on its way. <laughs> yes, I would love to see that house for the kids because I think that's the most precious thing we can give kids who've been through a trauma is a place of peace. And security to make you know that they are they are taken care of, they're protected, and that's our job as mom and grandparents and dads is to, to, to look after our children and make sure they are safe. Right. Because our heavenly Father is making sure that we're safe, and He has His, his angels mm-hmm. and He has the Holy Spirit to guide us, and so we're to be those arms and eyes and protection for these little ones. So I'm on board. So I'm okay. going to connect um, later. I can reach out to you by phone or email and say, okay. I know with COVID-19, it was kind of like under wrap for a minute, but um, we can talk about how we can put something together, um, a workshop, and I can do um, the other, Marsha, that you know, we and I are we're moving forward to take this um, nutritional thing to the world because we know that food has a profound effect on our behavior as well as our health, and especially with this right. COVID-19. We want to educate people about building up their immune system with proper diet and uh, Mm-hmm. The mass is okay, but I think the most important thing to see that that's going to help us to fight and beat this is building up our immune system. Now, also, right. give me information about, let your listening audience know about the dinner, where it's going to be, and because um, I will be there for social distancing. I'll be there for the dinner. So I just want to get some information on the dinner. Yeah, absolutely. So, honestly, uh, we have right now the date. And we're still working on everything else. So we have found a place right now. So we're still in the works, um, to be honest okay, with you. So we want to just make sure that, like, once we get everything established and in place, we can definitely send you over the information. Um, but okay. uh, we were trying to decide for the longest what to do because we don't know what's happening with the virus. And um, right. But, yet yeah, we still need to help our, our babies 
at the organization. So, um, but yeah, I will definitely keep you updated with what we have going on. All right. Then you want to give a listening voice one more time, your information on how you guys can be reached. And are you looking for volunteers, the people to train volunteers to work with you guys? Yeah, so we're definitely um, looking for volunteers. However, at the moment, we are, we've kind of put a halt on um, volunteers because we like to, especially with new volunteers, we like to see them in person and meet with them in person. And if they're going to meet with clients, yes, can you hear me? Hello. Yeah, I hear you. I'm saying hello, meaning agreement. Sorry. I'm like, yes, I know. Oh, okay. Okay, but yeah, we like to vet our client, our um, volunteers, and everything, and we want to make sure that we're bringing the right people in. So right now, we're not taking. However, we do. We would like to receive um, applications now. So when we get back a hundred percent back in office, we can run with that. So yeah. Oh. Great, great. Well, is there anything else you guys want to share with us that we didn't bring up, that I, that I didn't touch on, or that we didn't ask the right questions that you want us to be aware of? No, I'm just grateful that um, you um, see and have a heart for this particular situation because we're seeing it come up so much. So thank you so much for having us on tonight. I so appreciate it. And, again, our information to be reached, uh, you can reach us on our website at defined, D-E-F-I-N-E-D, withpurpose.com. And all of our contact information is on our website. So we thank you again so much for having us on, Ms. Madison. Oh, I am so grateful. I am truly grateful. I am so grateful uh, that um, what you're doing, is wonderful. It has helped people. And, you know, a lot of times it's, it's when we go through that that we realize we need to reach back and help others. And, you know, I can remember when I was in um, college, my teacher asked us the question. She says, who do you most admire? And you look back mm-hmm. that you think that you would want to walk in their footsteps. And I kind of thinking, hmm and I was thinking and thinking and thinking, and I'm like, okay. Then I thought of it, Harriet Tubman. And the reason why uh-huh. is because once she got free, once she was free, she looked back to free others. Right. And that's what we have to do is look back and free others. When we gone yeah. through that, she went through that, and I can't even imagine. I was uh, Last year I was in Alabama doing a presentation down there. Um, and they had it at a campsite, and it was dark, and, you know, you had to walk through the campsite with your uh, flashlight. And I'm walking uh-huh. through these woods, and imagine Harriet Tubman going through these woods, no street light, no nothing. Right. No flashlight, no nothing. But she went back several times to free others. And sometimes it was the pain of her struggling, getting through to her freedom, and she realized she had to go back. And that's what you did, you know, the pain, the struggle you went through uh, with your personal situation. Now you look back and there's others and you guys are going for the others. And I applaud that. And I thank you that um, God has kept your baby safe. Now we're going to keep other babies safe. And I Mm -hmm. just thank you so much. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. I, it's nothing of me. It's all of God. I can definitely say and. One thing I would want to say, too, is that he 
those those were years and it was it was very difficult to walk through that particular situation but I've seen God in my own life be such a redeemer um, and I think yes. that it's really important for whoever that's going through that to have hope um, to know that God hasn't forgotten about them hasn't left them he hasn't he was there with them in every aspect and that he's probably more than anything protected them more than what they realized. And I know particularly for my life, like I was a single mom when that happened. It was me and my daughter. Now I have an amazing husband. I have a one-year-old son. I have one on the way. Like God restored and redeemed our family and gave us something better than what we could have ever even asked, thought, or imagined. And I just say that because it can be so um, hard to have hope in times of trauma and when you're going through something that's really crazy. So just know that there's so much light at the end of the tunnel when you're walking with Jesus because he definitely helps us see that. So, so yeah. Girl, that brings tears to my eyes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you're like, oh, my <laughs> he is a redeeming God. He is awesome. Yes. And, you know, that's our responsibility to watch over these little ones. So we can see their laughter and hear their joy that they bring to a house. And um, and that's all we want to do is make sure they're safe. So I just right. pray. You got me in here. <laughs> oh. And he will restore. He will restore, he will restore right. the years Absolutely. that the locusts are eating. So that is, that is a beautiful thing. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Just want to remind mm-hmm. our listening audience, you want to be our network. I'm Marcia Thaddison, and we'll be right back. Special 
am Marcus Patterson. I'm going to support your health on the DR Network. If my listening audience do not get it, I am a Zelanda Adams fan. I love her songs. I, they speak to me. They, I just love her songs. So I, I know I'm like, wait a minute, they know I played this before, but it was just like I have to hear it again. So I just want to thank you, Crystal and Kelly, for being on my show tonight. It's very moving um, because we talk about something that's very precious to all of us. So I just want to remind our listening audience to take time to love your children, your grandchildren, Love the kids up the street. Just give them that special love, and we want to put them in a special cocoon, a spiritual cocoon that we can just protect them from the world. But I know that's the hardest thing to do and can't possibly do, so we do that in the spirit realm, protecting our Mm -hmm. children. So I just want to thank you, ladies, for being on the show. I truly, truly appreciate you. And um, any last words? I think that we're done. Again, thank you so much for having us. We so appreciate you and taking the time out to hear about Define With Purpose in the organization. So thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. So I'm Ryan, our listening audience. Next week we have um, Abdullah's on. So the whole month of August we're going to be focusing on children. So we'll be talking about doulas, uh, midwives uh, in Atlanta and pretty much across the United States. What's um, happening that shouldn't be happening that most African-American women, this big population of African-American women dying during childbirth or after having a child. Um, We want to talk about that issue. And now with COVID-19, some of these young women are having their babies without family members being able to be there in the room. So doulas and midwives are very popular right now and they're growing. And we want to be able to educate women about um, eating healthy how to feed themselves before they're pregnant, while they're pregnant, and because, you know, um, one in 33 children now are being born, I mean, have been diagnosed with autism. we got children with type 1 diabetes, and all of this can be eliminated through diet. So we want to talk about how we can have healthy babies, making sure our babies are healthy, strong, and they can thrive in life, and that's what we're here for, to protect them for that. So um, tune in next. Sunday, Linda Walton will be on, and she's a doula. She's been on the show before, and we'll be talking with her, and then we'll be having a couple of midwives on following that and just talking about how to feed our kids, what to eat, how to eat, and so they can grow up and be healthy and strong. So I just want to thank you, ladies, and everyone. Um, Also, I have a new website that's up, so check me out. We're going to be having some webinar parties educating people about healthy food, nutrition, and how to prepare it. I truly believe with this COVID-19 and the situation we're seeing with unemployment, we're going to have to go back to learning how to grow our own food, how to be healthy, and how to store food long-term as well as short-term, and how to make food our medicine. And if you go to my website, www.yesterdayswithanskitchen, the number four today, I have a blog talk information about Himalaya sea salt. A lot of people um, don't have insurance. They don't have the money to go to a dentist. So if anyone you know is suffering with a toothache or having issues with their mouth, go to my blog talk and read on how we can take care of our teeth and be healthy. And also, uh, hopefully within the next couple of weeks, my book will be out, Healing in the Kitchen. There's things right there in our kitchen that can bring about health to our mind as well as our body. So 
Hey, stay tuned for that, and we'll be talking more about that and bringing that information to everyday people that we can be healthy both in mind and body. Crystal and Kelly, I just want to thank you guys. You have a blessed week. And um, this one, let it be in the right with prayer. This too shall pass. So we will get through COVID-19. We'll get through everything else that the enemy trying to throw at us because the Spirit of God is protecting us. And I just want to thank you guys. Thanks, girls. Thank you for being here tonight with me. Thank you. Have a great night. All right, you too. All right, everyone, have a blessed week. I want you to trust and believe that everything that's done made a door open to open for us to get through. For it's in 